Can you hear me in the back? A few days before coming up here, I saw in the news uh, there was a program that happened while we were up here. I think it was yesterday, perhaps today, uh, advertising that a, a gentleman whose last name was Walenda uh, was going to cross on a tightrope across the Grand Canyon. And they showed how optimistic he was and, and so forth. And the name struck a bell. And I realized, oh, he must be a descendant of the Flying Willendas. Anyone ever heard of this? This is a while back. The Flying Willendas were a family that did that. And so he's probably a descendant. I don't know for sure. He is? Okay. That's quite a legacy. <laughs> yeah, well, what does that have to do with you? All right. <laughs> Plenty. Um, many years ago, I was watching the news, and the senior, the father, the head of the Willenda clan, uh, this was in, uh, in Latin America somewhere, I don't know which country, and there was a raging windstorm, and the high wire was ready to go, and he was strongly advised to cancel, that it was not safe. And he was very strongly advised not to do it. And he refused. He said, no, you know, the show goes on. Now, I had seen an interview with him years before that. And the line that stuck with me, this was many years ago, uh, was he, he talked about his love of high wire walking and how he trained his whole family. He said, for me, life is on the high wire. All the rest is waiting. Get it? Probably not. Um, we do something typically in a Vipassana retreat. Instructions, so-called integration instructions, going home about daily life and so forth, comes at the end of a retreat. We don't want to take your mind off here. Uh, typically the way the mind works is when you were home, you were thinking about here. <laughs> and if we say that, then you'll be thinking about home. And the whole point, as you've been hearing from the three of us, is to be here in this present moment. Um, my own observation over quite a few years now is that um, it can, we can become like the flying Willendas. That is, we so define what are spiritual activities uh, in such a way that what we leave out is merely most of life. Uh, we do not spend most of our life here or on a cushion. We go home and whatever your life is like, and I'm certainly not going to tell you what it should be like, but uh, my guess is you're not spending uh, your entire day sitting and walking, etc. In fact, we're, as I look out, unless some of you are monks or nuns, we're lay people. The term, I'm not quite sure what it means, it's in the opposition to the monastic approach. And in Buddha Dharma, monasticism is very powerful. Uh, it's how it got started, and it's kept it alive for a few thousand years. 
Um, and there have always been practitioners, some of whom have attained a full awakening, who have not been monks or nuns. But for the most part, it is a monastically oriented tradition. Now, suddenly, here we are uh, at our, in our time period, and for whatever reason, there are lots of energy in the, in the community of people. Either, probably most, if not all of us, don't want to be monks or nuns. We're not going to be. And we need a practice that's appropriate for us. Now, everyone says, daily life is my practice. In other words, meditation is not just sitting on the cushion. It's very easy to say that. We all say it. We've been saying it for many, many years. Um, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating. We have to do it. We have to... Uh, and step number one is we don't fully believe that, in my opinion. I think it was hinted at by either Matthew or... I think so. Uh, for example, the icon in Buddha Dharma is a gentleman in a seating posture. By the way, that's just a statue in case any of you are taken in by it. <laughs> you can pray to it if you want, uh, and if something good comes of it, it'll have nothing to do with him. He's just, they, they roll him out by the thousands as the tourist buses pull up <laughs> in Thailand. And it can have a good effect if the person has got a good heart and is very, very sincere. Um, but most of our life is, is lived in, you know what your life is like. Okay. So how to turn what I think easily becomes a cliche. Why? Because it's hard. It's very difficult. Relationships, work, school, earning a living, being unemployed, aging, just, but every human being faces that. Now, uh, the word spiritual is sometimes used, and even that, I'm not quite sure what it means anymore. But here, let me now uh, bring it back to us. Why do we teach it at the very beginning? I feel that um, every style of practice is a paradigm. and It's a model that hangs together. It's like an organism when, it's, when it holds together. And uh, within that paradigm, uh, certain things make sense. But the paradigm generally doesn't get examined very much because we're too busy living it out. Or is it's a, a way of looking at framework, a container. But I don't mean just literally a physical container, like this building, which is also a container. I mean, mainly it's subtle. It's in the mind. Uh, so if there is one where certain forms are identified with being spiritual and other forms as being secular, worldly, and spiritual, and over and over and over again, and in this particular tradition, if you see that the main icon is someone is in seated meditation. And then when we say everything, life is meditation, uh, you hear it and it makes sense and you'd like that for that to be true. But clearly living with each other is the hardest thing for us. Look at the world. None of the religions, including this one, has been able to solve that problem. And I'm not saying that I have a, a solution to it, not at all. But I'm saying the challenge is formidable. Uh, if you live in some of the really good Buddhist monasteries, there are people there too, just like us, and they have squabbles and conflicts and resentments. But they have a, quite a rigorous set of rules and agreements and ways of working things out. 
and they're not, they, don't, they face certain challenges that we don't, but they don't face the challenges that we do, which you know what the challenges in your life are. I don't have to spell that out. So we need a practice that genuinely sees the worthwhileness of every aspect of life, of living. What's the purpose of life? Someone asked me that, what wanted my opinion. And without going into all kinds of philosophical stuff, it's to live. It seems to me what the purpose of life, the one that I can really trust is to live. All right, but then the question is how? And that's where it's difficult. And there are all these different views about how to live. And we have a paradigm here, and I'm going to spell that out a little bit. But I want to link it to something that's going on. Uh, so the Flying Willenders, what, what is that all about? I hope this gentleman made it across Grand Canyon. Um, if you invest the meaning of life in one activity, or one kind of clothing, or one place, or one uh, place in nature, or anything, that can be very, very useful. But if you identify with it and make it stand for the entire, entirety of life, I think you'll be in for disappointment. I've seen it. I know you will be, at least what I've observed. In, and by our culture, I don't mean just the United States. I mean in the modern world, the West. And something different is perhaps happening here. I don't know. So far, it looks like it. Lay people, people, uh, we have the leisure and the education and the finances to do some things that perhaps heretofore were never done in the past. For example, a lot of my training was in Thailand in the forest tradition. Well, now what I've heard from my friends who are monks, that's breaking down. As people in Thailand are uh, becoming middle class and, uh, and are going to college and university and getting jobs and earning a living, they don't want to be monks anymore. When I was in Korea, I can't say everyone, but a lot of the, what were the choices? A lot of the people I was with, Korean, Korean young Korean men, be the rice paddies, the military, or being a monk. Or, of course, you could get married and raise a family. Uh, so some, for whatever reasons, picked being a monk. Now, we, if you change your mind, or if you decide, or maybe some of you are monks and nuns, then that's fine. Welcome, I hope this is useful for you. But it appears as if that isn't our choice. So we have to take a look at our life as it is, not as we've been reading in books or how it should be. How, how do you actually live your life from moment to moment, daily? And we need a paradigm. We need to put some juice in the teaching so that people don't feel that no matter how much we say uh, daily life is, is the practice, or that is Sitting is just a method. It's a precious practice, but it's not the whole thing. We say it over and over and over again. So then why do I personally don't see a huge amount of dramatic change? And I think that down deep, I believe it was Matthew, suggested that because uh, we don't really believe it. Um, so on a retreat like this, we start off because what we're trying to convey is a model of practice that is exquisitely simple. You could even say simple-minded. Uh, I didn't make this up. It existed in ancient times, long before the Buddha. And that is 
prior to any of these forms, any of them, all these forms that exist on planet Earth today, at one point didn't exist. Prior to all this is life itself. So this is a form. IMS is a beautiful form. Sitting is a beautiful form. We made it up. The human race made it up. We invented it. We invented all kinds of things. And some of it has proven extraordinarily useful. Uh, okay, so far so good. Uh, but we also made up a way of looking at things that may have been appropriate a while back, but isn't now. Now, if you see the starting point, the basis is life, then a retreat like this and sitting and doing very formal walking meditation, those are forms of life. They're expressions of life. Uh, When I say it's an invention, I don't mean to demean it. Not at all. Because however this came to be, the very, all the different schools in, in uh, Buddhism, the different techniques and methods and ways of doing things, have definitely been uh, helpful for lots of human beings, have uh, enabled them to come out of a certain amount of torment and sorrow, uh, or at least diminish it. So it, it isn't that. That's not the, that's not the problem. Um, it's that that form... At a certain is a form, and all forms appear and disappear. They're, they're conditions. Just they're a condition. Or is it something that emerges, operates, and then it uh, isn't intrinsically real. A tree is intrinsically real. We didn't make the tree. Although I think if we could, we'd probably try to improve it. I think we're trying to do it right now. Uh, okay, so we didn't uh, we didn't make that up. Now. Can we, if you have life as the starting point, and and let's just for the moment say that it is valuable, that all of life is, then it doesn't diminish the value of this coming here in silence and doing away with lots of uh, amenities that we're used to at home. It's a temporary way of using your time. This is a, a situation, and there's correct action here for this situation. Keep quiet. There's certain rules. It's rule-governed. Respect each other in certain ways. You, you know, what's, what's going on? Some of you may be relatively new to this way of doing it. Uh, fine, so you surrender to that. Now, why is it necessary to so, in a sense, dip that in bronze and put it on the, make that stand for the entire journey that when we go home, of course we don't feel it's as valuable? So, uh, but if we view life as prior to all these forms, this is precious, and there are many precious forms. Clothing, bowing, chanting, incense, they can be useful. They have proven themselves to be useful, and they can be a dead end. It depends on what we do with them. And so what I'm suggesting is when we suggest it, and it's already been said by Doug and Matthew, that we really value whatever you do here. Let's take your yogi job. And some of you may say, please. I hope you got a job you don't like. Can I have a show of hands? Anyone get a job that they're not crazy about? A show of hands. Oh, I'm disappointed. So few. You're the lucky ones. Uh, In this sense, the world exists to help us get free. But let me give you an example. See, if you can, while you're here, when the time comes to sit, surrender to the sitting. 
when the time comes to walk, and I'm going to get to that because I've been watching, it's not just the government that's looking into our records <laughs> and the cameras that, that uh, saw the uh, terrorists who blew up, uh, who did the bombing. Uh, we have uh, our eyes on you. We know what you're doing. But it's not that we have cameras. It's just that I have windows. For God's sakes, if you're going to do walking meditation while you're drinking a drink and who knows what else you're doing in your head, walking along like this, uh, don't do it in front of the main entrance. Because that's where my windows are. And I look around, I see a lot of lost souls. You know, sort of, I don't, this is what I see. I'm probably projecting on it, if so, I apologize. I don't know what the sitting, walking. I'm used to retreats where you walk nice and slow and spiritual. Oh, it's so nice. You just slow, you know. And he's, they say natural walking and just, just be natural. And I'm trying to do that, but that's not spiritual. It's not slow. Slow is not spiritual. It's just slow. <laughs> I don't know how to break that to you. Natural is not not spiritual. It's just a certain pace. It's not in the form. It's the quality of consciousness that you bring to it. So I'm not saying this to scold you like we caught you. It's your time here is not being used well when you do walking like that. It looks like you, you, uh, you're trying to kill time. <laughs> That's a phrase we have. It's very revealing. Kill time. Okay, ask people who get to be 80 years old about killing time. <laughs> I ain't killing time anymore. <laughs> um, okay, so... Some of what I see is people can't decide what to do and they're going like this and walking like that. You're supposed to be, have had more retreats. You're supposed to be the Green Berets, the, the Navy SEALs. What happened? You look like you never heard of a meditation. Please. Also, it's for you. It's not, it's not that I'm a, you know, like a naughty principal. You bring them to the principal and I scold you, get back to your classroom. It's, you're here for yourself. It's not for me. It's not for Matthew. It's not for Doug. You're here for yourself. To, it's a school. This is a place to learn. It's a different kind of learning. You're not allowed to read right now. The learning is about yourself. It's the book of you that you're being asked to learn. And that's why we take a lot of things away temporarily. When you leave here, then a behavior is appropriate. Different behavior is appropriate. So each situation calls out what's correct action here. When you're in this hall, you know what it is, and you're doing it. But somehow when you leave the hall, uh, somehow, well, that's not the meditation hall, so I don't know what to do. I came here because I want to be spiritual, but I don't know what's going on. Uh, the, if there is such a, it's in you. It's how you live. And so let me give you an example of what we mean. Because we've had a lot of experience with this. Yogi Jobs. In the old days of IMS, this is when I first came upon it. I one time, and some of you are, who've been to a lot of the retreats that I've been involved in and others have been, you probably, oh, here goes Larry with his daily life shtick. You're right, I am. He says it all the time. He starts over, when does he get some new material? I'll tell you what, when you do it, when you start really doing what, what's being suggested, and have you done it when you're home? Here's, let's say, here's one. Let's say you get vacuuming and you hate it. I guess I'm projecting. My mother made me vacuum. My sister and I alternated, but somehow I always wound up with it. 
So we're not saying to do an impersonation of the happy yogi smiling away and vacuuming. You come to it with a positive attitude or washing, the, cleaning the, the bathrooms or whatever your job, your yogi job is. Whatever it is, that's what it is. So uh, come to it with a positive attitude, of course, but life has a way of being more powerful than the ideals we set up for how we're going to be. Have you noticed? It keeps insisting on being a certain way. And so you fa- let's say you face the vacuuming, but suddenly you find resistance or you look at your watch, I can't wait to get this over so I can take a walk around the loop. Those, that's teaching you about yourself. Can you see that? It's teaching you uh, that this is not valuable time. I don't value vacuuming. Uh, it's not about the vacuum cleaner. It's about your life. Now, when the walking is done in such a way outside, it's not simply you that is affected. You affect the atmosphere. There's like a culture of mindfulness. We try and, it's a community that develops. I don't know if you feel it yet. You will. It's only for a week. But if we all do our share, uh, we all benefit. If sometimes I looked out and I said, did we take a, a wrong turn and wind up at a health spa? You know, you know, people lying on the grass with legs up in the air, uh, doing walking meditation with a drink on the road. Uh, come on. So that affects other people because then it's a house of cards. It starts to, to disintegrate. So let's all do it for each other. Okay. So that um, how does the vacuum cleaner teach you anything? First of all, it shows you me. Uh, as you know, well, I don't know if you know, but the core of the Buddhist teaching is to finally liberation is getting free from this uh, preoccupation we have with ourselves, with me. It's called sakyaditi, or self-view, personality view, an intensive belief in a construct that the mind has created that we are this and always were and always will be and everything is happening to this stable this. But when you take a look at it in meditation, you can see there is no such thing. Images are coming and going, memories are coming and going, thoughts are coming and going, and more and more as the week unfolds, you see uh, what we're doing is to get to see that, to, uh, to be with what is. What is is the fact of the moment, exactly how you're, you are in this particular moment. It's not how you should be, it's not how you used to be, it's now, how is it? And by learning how, and the mind doesn't want to be there, even with something simple like the breath. It's not that simple, I know. Uh, We prefer to be in the future that's not here. It never will be what it says it will be, uh, except maybe in some vague general way. And the past, which is over with, never to return in in any way like that. And so the practices, they're all non-facts. What is, is the fact of how it is for you right here and right now. And our job is to keep bringing you back to what is, what is, what is. And in the process of fully entering what is, you go beyond what is. There's something deeper. But you can't get there, like in Maine, you can't get there from here. Actually, you can get there from here. It's the only place you can get there from, which is right here. Okay. So we're trying to turn uh, to to see the joy of practice is the joy is is synonymous with with the quality of our life, uh, an ancient Chinese teaching, you know about the precepts, uh, let's say killing. There's the overt killing, which is very quite obvious, uh, and then there's a subtle kind of killing. You don't go to to prison for it, and you won't appear on CNN for doing it. 
it, if you are not fully present, you've just, they call it killing life, if you're divided. You're doing X, but your mind is in Y. Sometimes it has to be, you have to multitask, I understand that. Less so here. Okay. If you're fully in where you are, you fully inhabit this activity, and the behavior is in accordance to what's called for. Uh, they call that giving life to life. It's life enhancing. So a lot of what we're talking about, it's, in, it's the process of being more fully alive. It, we have lots of different words, awareness, uh, alive, uh, liberation. Uh, they're coming at it from slightly different angle. And we're learning how to, that nothing is trivial, nothing is unwanted. Because if it's happening to us, that's what our life is in that moment. We may not approve of it, may not want it to be, but it is. It just, it's factual. Now, start there. That doesn't mean it's not fatalism, but you start with the way things actually are. Okay. Uh, let's, let's move to something, the first... What we're going to be laying out for you over these next few days are three quite related awareness practices. The first one you've already received, whole body breath awareness. That has, uh, there's many ways to, to uh, uh, stabilize the mind. One can be you know, one-pointed. You can get much more concentrated that way or at the tummy as well. Uh, that's not the goal here. Uh, and we include the whole body. Why? Because if it's going to be about our whole life, it should be about the whole person. A body is part of life. It's part of your life. And f- for many of us, we feel it's not spiritual. In fact, that's what's getting in the way. It's poisonous. Uh, or, in this tradition, often you'll hear, I am not the body. Well, in some profound way, maybe that's true. But one of my teachers was, 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 was told that. And he said, well, I'm, we know we're not the body. Uh, in other words, that's a concept. And he said, well, maybe not. But it's like being a cavalry officer. You're not the horse either. But you better take good care of that horse when you go into combat or you'll be dead. So we're encouraging us to inhabit the mind-body process as a whole person. Clearly, the heart of Vipassana is chitta. It isn't just mind, mind mind-heart. That's, English is a little clumsy with this. It's the whole of consciousness. So the mind-heart, that's what Vipassana is aiming at. And the enormous amount of unnecessary suffering and sorrow comes out of an unexamined heart. We don't understand ourselves. It's just self-understanding, self-discovery, how urgent that is. It's not a luxury. Okay, so each, opp- each situation is an opportunity for that. Uh, so there's nothing, it's not that vacuuming is superior to sitting, but in a certain way, it's not inferior either. It's what your life is in that moment. Whatever you encounter, that's what your life is at that moment. Now, what, what do we, like with the whole, whole body breath awareness, that seems, at least in words, simple enough. But let me suggest other things that are being t- uh, taught and, and that you can learn from it. First off, uh, some of you seem a bit restless, and it, it's at least plausible that the mind is pretty wild. It's not unusual the first few days and so. Okay? And so you're beginning to see the mind that you brought here. You're beginning to see the mind that is carrying out business and family life and whatever your life is like. 
uh, it's not to put you down, it's to see your predicament, that it's an untrained mind. It can be very trained in your particular job, work, whatever your, your life is, but then when you try to look at it, it's difficult. Somehow, it's the hardest thing for us to, to, to see ourselves. Now, uh, when the simple instructions are to allow the breath to flow naturally, does that sound familiar? I think we've all said it a number of times. Some of you have heard it since so coming out of your ears. But we're learning the art of allowing. In more religious terms, it's surrender. What you're surrendering to is just the rhythm of the breathing. Let it be. It knows what to do. Kept you alive in your sleep. Okay, so we're learning how to relax and open up. <clears throat> we're also learning something else in this particular paradigm of working with the breath. Because there are ways of working with the breath where you improve the quality of the breathing. Let's say it, it, uh, it's, uh, the in-breath is a certain way, it's too shallow, and the out-breath is too something or other. You can fix it. And so then it's much more appealing, and then it's easier to be mindful of. So you say, well, is it, doesn't that make sense? Yes, within that paradigm. But what you're doing is you're also, what you're doing is strengthening the sense of me, the ego. You're also, it's, and for many people, that's the best way to go. It will, impl- it will um, wear itself out if you keep practicing. But for a while, that may be good for, for, for some people. Um, in that uh, quality of, in that, uh, uh, in a sense, tactic or decision to fix the breath if it isn't the way you like it so that you can be more aware of it so that the seeing can, you, you stay with more, bre- with more breaths, that within that, and I'm not going to go through that whole paradigm, uh, that makes sense. But what we're, do- we're aiming at is something else because we say leave the breath alone. If the breath is pleasant, unpleasant, deep, shallow, whatever the quality of the breath is, it's, an, it's to our advantage that we leave it alone. It's not simply that we're learning how to allow so that we could see what's here. Because it's not just the breath we're talking about. Now, if we can, why is it valuable? Because what we're, the breath, in a sense, is teaching us how to stay awake with all the different qualities of breath that, that come along. If the breath is unpleasant and the instructions are, that's fine. Learn how to be with an unpleasant breath. Learn how to be with, a, with vacuuming. Learn how to be with a person that you can't stand. Learn, you see what I'm getting at? So we're learning a quality that's very, very important. It's not just a concentration technique. In the, in the art of, of allowing and getting to know that you can actually relax and be with something that you don't approve of. Of course we'd all rather the breath be smooth and delicious and flow freely and exit freely in in and out. But if it isn't, isn't life that way? Is it always the way you want it to be? We keep trying to, but are you able to succeed? I don't think so. Okay, so there's that is learned in this model. And the reason it's so important is because we have three uh, awareness trainings, and they're interrelated. We'll get to another one. Uh, I can just give you a hint at what it is. Many, Some of you know it. In this method of the Buddha, using breath awareness, not simply for concentration, but to develop wisdom and liberation. Uh, in the second approach, which we'll present to you, I don't know when, maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after, um, you remain with the breath, but now you widen 
the scope of what you're attending to. And so what are you attending to? We have no agenda. You just sit and breathe, and whatever comes forth from consciousness, that's what we have to learn to be with. Well, some of it's good. Some of it's very peaceful, joyful, and then suddenly comes what comes along, fear. Suddenly loneliness pops up. We don't like that. So we're learning how to be with our life as it is, on a, a microscopic level, and with a vacuum cleaner, with a person, with nature, with money, whatever you want to tell me about that you call as part of life, it can teach you something if you pay attention to what your relationship to it is. Not through through thinking, but through observation. Okay, this model, Vipassana meditation is a wisdom path. So certain things are minimized. If it were a devotional path, there'd be much more emotional emotional practices, which are very beneficial. Very often they are some in Vipassana retreats too, to balance it out. We're extreme. We're just very boring guys. I think there's room for having a very simple retreat where there's not too much of anything but you. As it was one sign in a monastery in uh, Thailand. It said when people, as you came into it, hey, you there, hey, what are you gawking at? Don't you realize this is about you? That's what it's about. You came here to learn about yourself. And other people did it too, whether you know it or not. No, I came here to reduce stress. Sure, very good. Whose stress is it? Mine. How are you making the stress? Well, take a look. Start learning about how you do it. It's a school. You're here to learn about yourself, and we unlearn what's unskillful. Wisdom is the skill, is skill in living. It's the art of living. And this is a wisdom path. So everything we're doing is in the service of that. It's finally not about the breath. As important as it is, all of it's in the service of awareness. Let me back up. Why? If you go to the sciences, uh, let's say we've developed extraordinary capacity to see into the heavens, into the ocean. Uh, microscopic seeing, cellular level, uh, what we can see inside the body, it's extraordinary. And our ability to see clearly with instruments uh, is, can be, and for the most part, seems to be very helpful. It's helping us see things in ourselves that perhaps we didn't have access to before. Okay. Now, this is the same thing. The only thing is, instead of trying to ply the depths of the ocean and so forth, we're trying to see clearly ourselves. But, we don't ha- but if you think that some technology is going to be invented to help you do that, maybe it will be, but I don't see signs of it, including neuroscience, which is, has some beautiful things in it. So what is the instrument? You're the instrument. You're the subject. You're the object. You're the teacher. You're the student. It's a one-man and one-woman show. And so... These methods and techniques are developed to uh, enable a quality of seeing to be so steady and clear that it can face whatever comes in front of it. And with practice, that quality of awareness can, that happens. Now, at a certain point, when we start to understand what awareness really is, it's not something you develop. It's already there. But I'll leave that for some other time later on in the retreat. And so... The clearer, if the seeing is accurate and sees a rope, this is an ancient image, 
a rope as a rope and not a snake, your behavior will change. If, it's a, if it is a snake and you see it as a rope, you're endangering your life. If it's a I don't I don't remember which one I said, but all right. Uh, if it's if it's a rope and you think it's a snake, you know you uh, everything starts flowing in the body, and we get all upset and frightened, the f- fear or flight re- flight response, and it's unnecessary. It's a, it's take a drain on the body, and all it was was a piece of rope. Why? Because it was dusk and it wasn't well lit enough, so we just looked and we didn't see it accurately. Well, what if we could see ourselves accurately? Now you might say, I don't want to. Fine, it's the wrong place to be. <laughs> You took a wrong turn. <laughs> there are other places where you can. There are so many more fun things to do. <laughs> many choices in food and lots of activities. You sign up for one, you decide you don't like it. You scoot in. They won't care. You know, just put on a name tag. You go to another one. Okay. So you're here, and when we start paying attention, you may see some cherished, cherished images you have of yourself, and they just break into pieces. That's not bad news, even though it is experienced that way. How else are you going to get free? unless you, if, it's, if it's fake, it's not true. It's something the mind made up and talked itself into. There's a Yiddish expression, redzecharein. means when you, <laughs> in more blunt terms, you bullshit yourself. You talk yourself into something, and then you believe it. Oh. <laughs> it can be negative. I'm a terrible meditator. I'll never be able to do this. Everyone here is very clear. Not me. Okay? If you make I'm terrible, you got I'm terrible. If you make I'm wonderful, I'm extraordinary, I'm God's gift to the planet, you're in for some disappointments. <laughs> so the, see, the freedom comes in Vipassana. The, the heart of Vipassana as a wisdom practice is seeing, understanding, it's understanding and unlearning through the seeing, not through thinking. That helps. That points us in the right direction. The seeing enables us to unlearn what needs to be unlearned. That's not working. And we keep doing it again and again. And as you see it more clearly, it's harder to keep it up, especially as you become more sensitive. And that's what happens. As, you, as, as mindfulness develops, it's equivalent to more sensitivity developing. And we like that for looking at flowers. With something beautiful, great. Nature is extraordinary. We don't like it when it's looking at fear or loneliness or how we treated someone or the image we have, which then has a head-on collision with, with our behavior. But how else are you going to get free unless you see what's not true and unlearn what needs to be unlearned and start living your wisdom rather than betraying it? We. The, the body has got intelligence, tremendous intelligence. We may have harmed it by the way we treat it, but it has it. And so does the heart. It has intelligence. What this is doing is clarifying things so that something in us sees the way it is and it wants to heal itself. It's not that you, you, you don't, um, this may sound strange. Uh, you, to me, the word enlightenment doesn't get at what the, the attainment we're talking about. The Buddha is someone who's fully awake. So awakening, it's just like you fall asleep. You can't make yourself go to sleep. It backfires. You fall awake. And we're creating the conditions where you just, oh, I always was awake. But I've been preoccupied with all of my constructions. 
all his, you know, in a sense, fantasies and projections and stories about who I used to be, who I will be, what I could be, why didn't I, my uncle said, my new my, my aunt, you know. Um, uh, you start seeing that. It's a hilarious show. Just, it's the funniest show in town, your own mind. And it's also tragic, too. It's both. So what we're trying to convey is that it, it's a way of life which puts a premium on clear seeing in the service of getting free. It's a miracle. I think I finished on time for the first time in my life. If I hurt the feelings of you walkers who are drinking and walking, I apologize. Snap out of it, for God's sake. Can we have a few moments of silence? May we continue to look into ourselves. May we see things exactly as they are. And may such clear, direct seeing free us. Okay, thank you. It's only the first day. We're just getting warmed up. More to go. Thanks for your attention.